Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Dare I ask Russ? No? Oh, he's looking good. Okay. Okay. Put your hands up your Welsh. Oh, dodgy ground. Put your hands up your South African. Put your hands up your English. Come on now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry, everybody. I do apologize. We love you all. Okay, so, also naughty things are jumping to my head, which I'm going to contain. Okay, so today I'm starting a new series, uh, which is entitled Becoming a Prophetic People. Not pathetic, let's get that right from the start, prophetic people. The plan today, this is launch day, the aim is to, is to set this up and to explain how I intend to unfold this over the next few weeks, though I'm always subject to the Lord interrupting. Um, today's message is entitled, The Prophetic Heart. And, uh, and to begin with, we, we're going to look at why this matters. I think, frankly, if we don't establish why this matters, th- there's no point, really. And then, once we've done that, I, I want to just delve in a little bit of, sort of introductory detail, detail to look at what we mean by the word prophetic. So I'm going to start off, if it's okay with you, oops, by uh, reading a little passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And just the first five verses, we could read the whole chapter, but we're just going to read the first five verses. Uh, I'm in the New Living Translation, it goes like this, let love be your highest goal. So that ties it in very nicely with chapter 13, which is the one that they read at your wedding, if you've forgotten. Then it goes on to say, but you should also desire the special abilities. Most translations say gifts. The Spirit gives. Especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Anyone do with some of that this morning? Verse 4, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Thank God for that gift. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Verse 5, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more... I wish you could all prophesy. So let's start here by by looking at Paul's heart that he's downloading here. Verse 5, even more, I wish that you could all say all. Thank you. Prophesy. Say prophesy. Oh, well done you. Actually, in this passage, there there are several nuggets. There's much that we could glean about the prophetic. But initially, I I just want to grab onto one single thought. The NIV, verse 1 says, Eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And so in this little passage here, Paul is giving prophecy a glowing endorsement, if you like. What he's saying here is, is a really good thing to eagerly desire, to, to pursue, to long for, all things prophetic. 
The Passion says, It is good that you are enthusiastic and passionate about spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Here's the reality, folks. And I don't think this is going to be a shock statement to you. We need to hear from God. In whatever form that takes. Whether it be through his word as we study it for ourselves. Whether it be through a preaching gift. Whether it be in our own prayer lives. Whether it be the manifestation of what we call the gift of the spirit. Do you know, God still speaks today. I'll be honest with you, I would be dead in the water without that reality. And so as a a people, as a church, as individuals, we desperately need to hear from God. And for me, in, in my mind, it comes down to what are we going to be? Are we going to be a natural church or are we going to be a supernatural church? Is it going to be what we can do or is it going to be what God can do? Perhaps we could put it like this. Is it going to be what we could say or is it going to be what God says? Is it going to be flesh or is it going to be spirit? Is it going to be dead or is it going to be alive? Is it going to be information or is it going to be inspiration? Is it going to be a dry well or is it going to be an overflowing fountain? What do we want to be? And I think it also comes down to, do we intend to let God speak? I I was brought up with with the, the expression that one word from heaven can change your life forever. One word. To slightly change something that I say quite frequently, I know what I can do when I speak. And it's singularly unimpressive. But, but I have a glimpse of what God can do when he speaks. And that's an entirely different story. So, back to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Like Paul, as a church, we should eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Let's look at those individual words for a second. Eagerly means earnestly and fervently and hungrily and expectantly. The word desire means to long for, to, to covet, to press into, to go after the gifts of the Spirit. And especially, Paul pulls out this one, which is the gift of prophecy. So that's Paul's longing, if you like. I just want to talk for a second about my longing. So Paul's encouragement in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it ignited something in me when I was young. And I would say that I too eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit and especially prophecy. I know know many of you do too. A little disclaimer at this point. For me, prophecy is not necessarily 
It is not just standing at the front of a crowded room shouting, Thus saith the Lord. And then making some dramatic predictions of future events and disasters or supernatural outpourings. For me, when we're talking about the prophetic, what we're talking about is a a burning conviction of two things. One, that God wants to speak. And two, that we really need to hear what he has to say. You see, God wants to reveal to us his heart. God wants to inspire to us his word. God wants to to soften hearts. He wants to open doors. God wants to call people home. God wants to convict the sinner. God wants to encourage the limping. God wants to build up his church. The burning conviction that God wants to speak and that we really need to hear what he has to say. Let me put it like this. Could divine intervention make all the difference? Could one word from heaven change everything? Could, could, could a word of inspiration or, or revelation be the spark that, that changes a heart or, or that tips something over the edge? Now, like you probably, I've heard, I've heard stories of conversations where, where a supernatural insight has thrown the whole thing wide open. Not, not what I'm talking about, that kind of horoscope prediction. Not, not even the Old Testament style shock and awe. But more a case of, of the Lord would say from his heart, to yours. The Lord would say something, something sharp or, or, or insightful or, or attention grabbing. Something that otherwise, w- without that prophetic inspiration, we just could not have known in the natural sense. Something that demonstrates that God is watching and that He cares. And I've heard people tell stories of how some word of wisdom or knowledge or insight has thrown a conversation wide open. This is something that I would love to see more of in my life, and I'm sure you would in yours. The sort of thing that Jesus actually modeled, demonstrated quite often. For example, in John chapter 4, the disciples have gone into town And Jesus has gone to the well where he comes across a Samaritan woman, which was culturally a problem on many levels. But he strikes up an interesting conversation with this woman that's kind of going in circles a bit, and they're they're skirting around. And then if you remember, Jesus makes a statement, or he asks a question, and he says, essentially, where is your husband? She said, well, he's kind of not here. And Jesus said, no, I know that you've had five husbands and the one that you're with right now isn't your husband. And at that point in the conversation, the text, you can almost hear a virtual gulp of breath when the woman realizes that this guy isn't just some ordinary guy. 
This guy is a prophet. This guy hears from God, is speaking from God. This guy, as it were, has been reading her emails. And it throws the whole conversation wide open. The woman gets gloriously saved and goes and becomes a fantastic evangelist. Think of another example. One of my favorite stories, you find it in Luke chapter 9, is when the guys, the four guys, lower their friend down through the ceiling on a stretcher. Do you remember that story? I just think that's a fantastic story. Well, suffice it to say that the, the, um, the Pharisees didn't think too much of this, the religious folk. What on earth was going on here? And Jesus, in Matthew 9 verse 4, it says, Knowing their thoughts, knowing that the, so there's the prophetic link, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? In other words, Jesus had this, this insight, this inspiration that the Holy Spirit showed him. That's what we would call the prophetic. A third example, uh, on Palm Sunday, you, you, you know the story. Luke chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus said to a couple of his disciples, he said, go into that village over there. He said, and as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now, we've probably heard that story so many times, you don't even think about it. It would be a bit like me saying to Darren, Darren, if you wouldn't mind, just do me a favor, just take a wander down to the Bidford Post Office. And you're going to find there, tied to the post box, you're going to find, find there a donkey. Just go and get it, would you? supernatural versus natural. Jesus operated in this consistently, just, just little things that just opened the doors, that just changed situations that allowed him then to do what the Holy Spirit was causing him to do. I don't know about you, and this is where my 1 Corinthians 14, 1 eagerly desire comes in. That, that's something I'd love to grow in. I have a little bit of experience in it for myself. Uh, prominent example for me would be in kind of counselling situations. Um, I'm a better talker than I am listener. So that's not a great place for me to be probably. But, but for my experience, what I've found often is at the end of a, of a meeting, let's say it's been 45 minutes, you know, and I've downloaded the best biblical information I can and been as kind and supportive. I've listened as well as I possibly can. Often... Almost as they're walking out the door, God will whisper something in my ear. Right at the end. Because kind of my spirit's been stirring, I suppose. On the inside, I've been praying, God, what's the solution? How can we, what's the key that unlocks this door? Almost a case of, do you know what? Forget what I've been saying for the last 45 minutes. Just listen to this one thing. Because I'm convinced that this is God. When I... When I prepare to preach, I know the nuggets that have been downloaded from heaven. I know when, when there are thoughts, ideas, lists that are just too clever to have come from my limited natural brain. And I tell you what I love. I love it when people come up to me afterwards and they pick up on those things. Of all the words that I say, and there are lots of them I know, just the one line or the one little gem that I know has, carries what I would call a, a prophetic edge. And I would say that that stuff's gold dust. Because we really need to catch heaven's heart. We really need 
Jesus' thoughts. We really desperately need the Spirit's leading because that really genuinely can change everything. Okay, so we've talked about Paul's longings. We've talked about mine. I want to talk about us in a general sense now. And I would say this. I don't think this is too bold a statement. We all long to hear from God. I think we're wired that way deep inside. Put it this way. I'm sure that if someone told you this morning, as you were getting out of bed, falling out of bed, rolling out of bed, wondering whether you were going to come to church or not, if someone said God is going to have a specific, practical, directive word for you, You'd have come running out the door and you'd have been here at quarter to ten. Ready to hear what God might have to say. And I would say that if hearts are hurting, we're probably desperate to hear from the one who can make a difference. If we're feeling lost or or down or, or dare I say hopeless, We'd all just love that pick-me-up from heaven. If our hearts are open, we're always on the lookout for that, for that insight, for that redirect, for that word that might make all the difference. I'm convinced we all have a longing to hear from God. And I think this works in two ways. First of all, our desire to hear from God for ourselves. You know, that download of his, of his will or, or his leading or his, his supernatural wisdom. But secondly, I also think we, we all have a desire to be available to speak on God's behalf. As a conduit, if you like, of his grace or, or his truth or, or his wisdom. Let's be honest to a world that badly needs just that. In fact, fact, I'm sure that that if I was to ask this morning for a show of hands, who would like to move more in the prophetic? I'm convinced there'd be an overwhelming response. At this point, I want to just take a quick segue down a little rabbit hole. I just want to to give you a quick explanation because I think this would help. And I'm going to divide prophetic or rather prophetic people into three distinct groups. This is a simplification probably, but I think it'll help. So there's three groups. The first group is people that you would label a prophet. In my slightly cynical sense, I say, go on God TV, look at the TV listens. There are lots of them listed. Prophet Angel or whoever it is. Okay, now obviously there is a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But we have a clear listing in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, of, the, of what we call the five-fold ministry. It says, God has gave gifts to men, and he made some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we can see that there is a clear category of those who, are, who would be called a prophet. The second category for me is people who clearly have a prophetic gift. They, they just seem to see things and hear things. They seem to get 
things just at that pivotal moment. You can probably recognize a handful around the church who have a gifting like that. But the third category, I'd say this, I would say that we can all be prophetic because we can all hear from God. You know, we could go through the verse. We've, we've already talked about 1 Corinthians 14, which, which says how we, we can all, but wish that we would all prophesy. We read in Joel chapter 2 where God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And my young men will see dreams and my old men will see visions, or it might have been the other way around. You know, think of Romans 8, 14, which, which, says, which says basically that, that the, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. We can look at Psalm 23, which is a phenomenal little passage that talks about God leading us beside the still waters. God leading us in the paths of righteousness. And that's not just Paul writing to himself. We all claim that psalm for ourselves. The Lord is our shepherd. I'm convinced that we can all be prophetic because every single one of us can hear from God. We're going to talk into all three of those groupings, hopefully over the next few weeks, and particularly that last one, how we can all hear from God. Okay, so I'm on my left. Paul's longings, my longings, our longings. Now I want to talk about their longings. I'm convinced that everyone out there wants to hear from God. Although, perhaps frustratingly, they're often too too busy to engage with the big questions. I'm convinced that the world out there wants and needs to hear from God. I can't have that, that picture in my head in the movies at that crunch moment, that crisis point. People suddenly start asking God's opinion. Have you noticed? I'm convinced that we have a world out there that wants to know if God is out there, who want, who want God to show them that he cares, that want God to show them what's, what's right and what's true and what's real, that, that really want God to tell them why they're here. I'm convinced that we have a world that wants to know that God is out there. And you know what? This, I believe, presents to us a great opportunity. And I will be, say, say it would be a shame to waste that opportunity if the prophetic gifts are available. Okay, that's dealt with that. And I, I want to spend the, the second little bit of my message just talking about, about what we mean by this label of prophetic. And I'll go through this quite quickly and unfold some of it, hopefully, over the next few weeks. So, so in the Bible, the label prophetic is given to the times that God speaks to and through his people. Of course, that comes in various ways and in various forms. It comes at different times and in different places through all sorts of different people. I did a little word search. If you look at the ESV, the English Standard Version, it talks about prophetic visions. 
It talks about prophetic writings. It talks about prophetic powers. And it talks about prophetic words. The New Living Translation adds, adds prophetic message. It adds the expression prophetic gift. And the message talks about prophetic warnings. It talks about prophetic scriptures. And I think all of those we, we acknowledge. He even um, talks about Samuel's prophetic record. And even records Jesus' prophetic debut as only the message can. But if I had to define the word prophetic, it would be this. The prophetic is, is a word or a message from God to us, inspired and revealed by the Holy Spirit. A word or message from God to us, inspired and revealed by the Holy Spirit. Several of, we're in 1 Corinthians 14, several of the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts would be categorized as prophetic. In other words, there, there are a variety of different ways that God speaks to us and through us. And what I want to do just for a few minutes is to look at what falls into this, this overall category that we're going to call the prophetic. And there are seven on my list, as, as indeed there should be. Um, I had to cheat a bit. The first one is, is foretelling. Foretelling is a predicting of the future. Amos 3 verse 7. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. That's a strong statement. So, so in other words, one form of the prophetic is God warning us what's coming our way. The Old Testament, of course, uh, particularly contains a great many such predictions. Some have already come true. Others are still to be fulfilled, particularly those referring, of course, to the second coming of Christ. In fact, I would say future, sorry, fulfilled prophecy is one of the most telling evidences for the validity of Scripture. If you've been on Alpha, you've studied that. In fact, there are at least, sorry, at least 350 prophecies or four tellings that are fulfilled in Jesus' life, death and resurrection alone. That's a lot, 350. So, so the first category is foretelling. The second category is forth-telling. Notice the subtle difference. So forth-telling would be defined as as revelations or or inspirations or explanations from God's word. The Amplified, 1 Corinthians 14 says, Earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual endowments or gifts, especially that you may prophesy, which it defines as interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. I love Jeremiah 29, which just captures this for me. Jeremiah said, His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of containing it. Indeed, I cannot. I remember walking on the greenway once and just praying about a message or something. I just felt that God said to me, He said, Jamie, not, not new 
but now. So God's clever. He uses little simple expressions. Not, not new, but now. So, so we're not necessarily talking about something extraordinary that you've never heard of before. You know, how could I have read that passage and not seen the angels and the this and that and the other and whatever? What we talk about is something fresh, something incisive, something that is clearly inspired and is cuttingly relevant. And that's what I was praying about that day. And God said, I'm not going to give you something new. What I want to give you is something now so that you can speak, foretell God's word to his people. Foretelling is something revealed, something that I couldn't see clearly before, but now I do. It's always been there. I just couldn't see it, but now I can see it clearly. So we've got foretelling and foretelling. I, I, I reckon, uh, and this is my personal opinion, I reckon that we live more in an era of foretelling than foretelling. As I said, that's just my opinion. I think that's largely because we do now have the full counsel of God's word. And one of the principal roles that the Holy Spirit plays is in bringing the word of God to life in what we'd call foretelling. Psalm 119 verse 130. The entrance and unfolding of your words gives light. Their unfolding gives understanding, discernment and comprehension to the simple. So the Holy Spirit unfolds. He gives light and understanding as he reveals through foretelling. I would say this is one of the most precious gifts of the Holy Spirit and a powerful and precious expression of the prophetic. Of course, at the outset, I said it's crucial to remember, and we will touch on this, that God's written word and God's prophetic word will always be in agreement. So, maybe this is just me. Foretelling, at least, seems a little safer ground than, than foretelling. But here's an interesting question. I wrote that line down. Foretelling seems safer ground than foretelling. Then I wrote the next question, which is, but should we be safe? Should we be safe? In fact, I think that may well be the basis of my next series, Safe Christianity. But anyway, I said all this really for an encouragement for you. I think that a lot of people think, when we talk about prophecy, that it's got to be some bold, brash prediction of something dramatic that's going to happen in the future. And I would say that a prophetic word does not have to be predictive. It does not have to be predictive, but it does have to be inspired. And that, I think, is the very definition of the prophetic. And I think this could be a great release for you on week one. If all you think the prophetic is, is me making some extraordinary statement that no one could possibly have known about some war or some this or some the other, then I can understand why people probably freeze up and say, I can't do that. So I'm convinced that, that, that by demonstrating the difference between foretelling and foretelling, that makes the, pro- the prophetic more accessible to you than you think. So those are the first two, foretelling, foretelling. The third and fourth together are words of knowledge and words of wisdom. 
1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. And then it goes on to list seven more gifts, Holy Spirit. So we have words of wisdom, words of knowledge. People define these differently. I, I was taught that, that words of knowledge refer to the past and present and words of wisdom refer to the future. You, you could, I think, equally define words of knowledge as divinely revealed information, something that, that you otherwise just could not have known, like Jesus' one about the husbands. And word of wisdom, I think you could define as a, as a divinely inspired application of that information. But I'll say this, however you define them, I reckon we need more of both. Number five, and I go through this quickly for the sake of time, number five is lumped all together, pictures, visions and dreams. You know, God often shows us things visually. Things in nature or, or items that are right in front of us or familiar images or, or, or pictures that we can easily identify. You've probably heard quite a few prophetic words like that in your church experience. In the Bible we have an example of Jesus and the fig tree. fig tree was a hugely significant prophetic symbol and Jesus interacted with that several times. Ezekiel's great for this. We have Ezekiel's vision of the wheel and the wheel amongst the wheels. We have, we have the, the, the river and, and knee deep, ankle deep, neck deep and all of that. There's also the whole kind of category of dreams and dreams and visions. Which sort of leads to the question, I don't know if you've ever asked a question after you've had too much cheese pizza or otherwise. I wonder if that dream could have been a message from God. I know for quite a few people, God seems to give them prophetic dreams. For me, there was one occasion where it was very clear to me that a dream was prophetic. I preached it, in fact. So that's, that's another category. Uh, the sixth category I'm going to define as, as downloading the heart of God. I think we see quite, this quite often in, in worship times. You know, God loves to tell us how much he loves us. God loves to tell us how much we need him. God loves to remind us what he's done for us and so on. And so like, like the men of Issachar, we need to, we need to understand the times. As, as, um, as it said at the conclusion of each of the seven letters in the book of Revelation, we, we need to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I'm convinced that God will use prophetic gifts, prophetic people, prophetic messages to download his heart. And the final category that I've got here is, number seven, is words of edification, exhortation and comfort. You know, in this passage here, Paul tells us what New Testament prophecy is for. It's to build up the church. So verses uh, 3 and 4 say, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. King James, edification, exhortation, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That's a good thing. 
But the one who prophesies edifies or builds up the church. And I'd say for me, that that fits beautifully with our our first three kingdom culture values there on that display over there. Always full of grace. Positively positive. Naturally supernatural. Words of edification, exhortation and comfort. I reckon we could all use when we come to church, when we gather together in any form or context, we could all do with a little edification. We could all do with a little exhortation, a little encouragement and a little bit of comfort which is another reason, great reason, to encourage, nurture and grow in the prophetic. Okay, so, coming to, towards the end here. I, we've covered why the prophetic is so important. I have explain, explained, at least in, in highlights, what, what we mean by prophetic. Finally, just what I want to talk about here is what we're, we're aiming to accomplish through this series. Okay, so about a year ago at our previous Leaders Retreat, we came up with all sorts of dramatic strategic statements that, that we felt that God was saying that we needed to do in order to go from here to there. Do you understand what I mean by from here to there? Here, here is where we are right now, and there is that stuff. The stuff that we dream about and we long for, the mission that God's given us, the big imaginative vision, big picture, blue sky of what church could be. And so we, we ask God to give us strategic steps, actually, for each of those six. And one of our spirit-filled, the second one of our spirit-filled strategic steps was this. We will encourage, teach, and facilitate the use of the prophetic to achieve its expression across all parts of the church. But that, that's our aim, that's our target, that's our heart. And so this part of this series, at least, is aimed to, to, to speak into, teach into some of that. Starts off there with, we will. So so guys, that's our statement of intent. We will encourage. Encourage for me means we will assign the prophetic its real value and we will give it the priority that it deserves. We will teach. That's all about equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. We will facilitate any way that we can open the door, any way that we can release those gifts. And then the last little phrase there, to achieve its expression across all parts of our church. In other words, we, we will look at how, where and when the prophetic fits in our church life and our church activity. As I think I've already hint, hinted, it's not just a microphone in the hand, thus saith the Lord, on a Sunday morning. I think that's very limiting. I'm all for that, by the way. But there's so much more, so many different places, so many different ways that the prophetic gifts can bless and build up and grow the church. We're going to work our way through a little bit of that. So the message titles, five, unless we end up deviating, if we do, I apologise. Number one today was a prophetic heart. Next week, number two is going to be a prophetic ear which is about hearing God's voice. The third one is going to be a prophetic eye, which is about seeing what God sees, so so revelation and discernment. The fourth one is going to be prophetic voice. How do we communicate what God gives us? 
And then number five, I think, is, is going to be prophetic people. The kind of the so what. Put, pulling it all together and taking a bit of a wider lens view. Okay, so to wrap this up. We want to give God the opportunity to speak and be heard. And, and God is a gift giver. And if we're going to get from here to there, we badly need everything that he has to give. It's an old saying, if it's in the Bible, it should be in the church. And making the assumption that God wants to speak to us. Let's assign to the prophetic its appropriate value. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. And verse 39, so my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. Amen. Amen. How do we respond to that this morning? Well, this this is a serious introduction really, so taking a bit of an overview. I'd encourage you to take these three thoughts with you into the series and prepare your hearts. First one is, is let's learn what God has to teach us. Number one. Number two, let's be open to what God wants to show us. And number three, let's press in to all that God has for us. Amen. I'm done. If I can invite you to stand the worship team, if you wouldn't mind coming to the front now, that would be awesome. I'm going to pray. We're going to set up a little bit of response time here and then we'll be done. So feel free to stretch those legs. Thank you for your patience. You've sat beautifully still. You're so polite. I just pray a very, very simple prayer. And it's this, God, we need you. God, we love you. God, we're so grateful for what you've shown us. But we are hungry for more. And my prayer, Lord, over us as a, as a people, for us as a, as a church gathered here, for us as individuals, God, would you just teach us how to hear from you. Would you open the eyes of our heart to give us understanding? Holy Spirit, would you teach us how to walk close with you so that we can see what you see, so that we can do what you want us to do to fulfill your purposes in any given situation. Lord, I want to commit this whole series to you and say, Holy Spirit, come teach us. Me first. God, would you come open us up, soften our hearts. God, that you might move us on, build us up, help us to press in to life in the Spirit. God, we worship you. Jesus, we are so immeasurably grateful to you. 
Holy Spirit, we want to declare right now that we are open. Open to your leading. Open to your speaking. Open to your move.